Hello there. You're listening to Sasitap podcast by Sashwath and Oscar where you speak with startup founders, venture capitalists and some of the leading talents in the world. We listen to their personal journeys and share their stories that shape their world view. Dr. Felix Cardenas has over 25 years of managerial experience in private equity, mergers and acquisitions and global business development. He has operated in the US, Europe, Japan, Africa and Latin America. He is a corporate venture capitalist and is the managing partner of Ascendus Capital. He is the director of innovation and entrepreneurship at Egade Business School, Mexico that brings students, startups, corporates and investors to work in the innovation realm. Welcome to our show Dr. Felix. That's great Sasha. Thank you for having me today and pleasure to meet uh, Oscar as well. So Felix, it was an honor to meet you last to last year at Agadhi Business School. I remember sitting in your cabin and having some discussions around open innovation frameworks. Uh, you are a published author yourself and uh, open innovation, academic and practical perspectives on the journey from idea to market is a book that you have written. Could you share your experience in working with academia, corporates, startups and venture funds? Just want to have a unique experience that you have got and would love to have some highlights uh, from your professional journey as well. That's great, Sasko. Thank you for your question, and again, congratulations for you and, and Oscar for doing what you guys are covering all the way. Not only he based in Munich, Germany, and you from India, but more importantly, to enrich the ecosystem for all these entrepreneurs and coming investors into this ecosystem of entrepreneurship. So yes, you're right. I consider myself to have a holistic approach, even from my early days. You know, I always was alert into the academia world because of some of my professors. They were able to combine. what i call the a practitioner you know the practice as well as as a scientific rigor so in that regard i always have admired particularly professors from american universities that they been able to do this particularly in the boston area like harvard and mit as well as at the times that i was spending sometimes in california with professors uh, in stanford so in that regard i always feel very comfortable and and more recently as i know that today's subject we're going to be briefly talking about search funds also to know that professors uh, in top universities in New York, Boston as well as as California and some in Europe obviously are already doing this. So it's it's a great pleasure to share with me this knowledge as as I combined in my career not only working for big companies as an employee as as, as part of management but also as an entrepreneur and more recently as an investor. Felix, what I would like to know, Ascendus Capital is a search fund and amongst other things you invest in startups from emerging markets. Could you share with us more information how this actually works and maybe tell more about how you operate on a daily basis? Thank you for your question Oscar. Basically Ascendis Capital is an accelerator of search funds. It's important for me to first explain what is a search fund. A search fund is a vehicle when an entrepreneur just like you guys, you know, or some of your friends are looking to acquire a business and you know for me it's important to make this distinction because usually for any entrepreneur when uh, it's about to start a journey you know to initiate uh, his or her business it's important to notice that there's typically two ways to become an entrepreneur i'm generalizing one is through a startup like we talk 
But uh, as you know, startups, at least 90% of them fail, you know, even if they're able to get off the ground and get seed investment, and then even go to a series A or series B round of investment, and they could be in the market for four or five years, still some of those even fail, you know, 90% of startups fail. Search funds, in the contrary, typically the probability of failure is only 2%. So this is a message for your audience. If you're an entrepreneur, you can either start having a startup, but knowing that 90% chance that you're going to fail or acquire a company with the 2% chances of failure. So in that regard, now I can further expand and mention to you that Ascendis Capital is a search fund accelerator. So as a professor of a university, I partner with my students, those that are obviously interested in becoming entrepreneurs. And yes, in some cases, we pursue established companies because that's what search funds do, companies that they've been in the market for 20 years or so. But there are some other students or entrepreneurs that they want to do startups. And in that regard, we particularly look to reduce the risk. You know, when you're going to open uh, a startup, usually there are two main risks involved. One is the technological risk, whatever you're developing in technology, or if it's a very innovative business model, there's the operational risk. And there's a commercial risk, the risk that the users, uh, if it's a B2B, if large companies or companies will be taking your service. So I usually reflect those elements in my investment thesis that I know we'll be talking later today about that. Ascendis Capital is a platform, it's an accelerator, but as I mentioned, it's not the traditional accelerator of only startups, but we also accelerate search funds as of entrepreneurs just like yourselves. And you mentioned you partner with your students, right? So can you tell us more about this partnership? How do you work together? Yeah, basically, Oscar, although, you know, businesses move at the speed of trust. So I had the chance to meet some of these students in the business schools. And later on, what I discovered is if they really have the interest to pursue a very harsh route, which is to be a, become an entrepreneur, you know, because at the very beginning, everyone's, this sounds fun and exciting, but it's later on that people realize how hard it is. So it's a, what I call it a mini due diligence from my end to be able to see how they operate and how committed they are. Although we operate in a trust level, we in a way documented on what we are going to be doing, meaning we establish a memorandum of understanding, an MOU. And in that document, we reflect our commitment of what he or she will be doing, what I will be doing. And, and basically, we embark on this journey, you know, and, and we also establish not only the relationships, but also the economics. So in regards of going forward, for me, it's important that the entrepreneur maintains the vast majority of the economic benefits of this. So that's basically how we operate. And I think I can help them to accelerate as uh, I share with them the, my knowledge and my experience of what I've done, my network. And so far, it's been a good journey, Oscar. So many SaaS startups today are bootstrapped and profitable. Some of them take the venture route, some get acquired, and some of the teams get acquired as well. So how does your business model work when you approach maybe an acquisition of a profitable startup? Thank you, Saswat. For software as a service startups, and I am involved in a few of those, as I mentioned, first, I review if I can really create value through them, as I mentioned, through my knowledge and my network, and particularly to help these startups to identify three elements that startups need. Typically, they need talent, more people to help them. They can be anywhere from basically hands from programmers, or it can also be people to join their boards to help them you know, open some doors. And typically, those doors are the second element, which are customers. 
to help them find customers. And then the last one is to help them find investors. Now, as what you mentioned about, in a way, like potential exits like acquihire or, or exiting a, a business, it's important for the entrepreneur, of course, to be aware of this condition of what is defined as a drag along. So when investors, not only at the seed round, but also in a series A, start coming into the cap table of the startup, entrepreneurs need to be aware of these drag along clauses because the way that these investors are going to exit their investment is precisely through the exit event. You know, So that's that's also very important. And in some cases in emerging markets, SaaS was particularly in Latin America, we have seen that some entrepreneurs do not want to sell their companies. So that's why it's important to have the mindset of becoming a serial entrepreneur because you know, you're going to be running this company for say three or six years and, and eventually sell the company, you know. I recently interviewed uh, Kavak, K-A-V-A-K. Kavak is the first Mexican unicorn company. It reached at the end of 2020, you know, uh, a $1.1 billion valuation. And I was talking to some of the co-founders and, and basically they have the right mindset, you know, and they are from Latin America. They are growing very fast in Mexico. And in the last influx of capital of equity, they almost uh, reach on that round $400 million of investment. And the important thing is that even, you know, firms like SoftBank from Japan are investing now in Latin America. So it's a very booming ecosystem today. Awesome. So Carlos Garcia is the CEO of Kavak, and it was there in the news last year, the first Mexican unicorn. And I think Kavak, with the latest investment from SoftBank, um, is like at par with quite a lot of other companies in that particular region, maybe Brazil's Logi or gym membership, Gympass and Colombia's rapid delivery service as well. So how do you see the Latin American market evolving with regards to the entrepreneurship as well as venture capital investment landscape? I see vast opportunities, uh, Saswat, in emerging markets, and this applies certainly to India and some African continents, uh, Southeast Asia as well, and Latin America is not the exception. Basically, we see a vast population of people that although their relative income is low in comparison to other developed markets like Europe, the US, or Japan, Having said that, through technology, and this is where, you know, startups like software as a service, you know, can really bring some solutions to the market. I believe that these particular regions are now receiving the commitments, financial commitments of large investors like the ones you just mentioned, and to work in these regions. Another interesting angle for software as a service companies, as as what that I noticed, is you pointed quite correctly that these are bootstrapping because Contrary to maybe 15, 20 years ago, now, you know, cloud services allow these firms to scale as they go forward and they do not need on-premises, you know, computing power. So it's relatively now inexpensive to launch a startup. And the phenomenon that I've been looking at, and I would be interested to see also, maybe it's already being applied in India, is that similarly to what Microsoft IP Ventures used to do, Microsoft used to develop technology and they didn't have enough capability to commercialize it. So entrepreneurs were going to the Seattle office and they were taking a look on that intellectual property and then they will be taking it and commercializing the technology with different business models. So the phenomenon that I've been observing in Mexico recently for firms such as LTK Ventures, is that 
they developed a technology, just like in India, you have a powerhouse of software developers there. And then entrepreneurs for MBA classes can come and say, they can say, you know, I'm not a software engineer, but I'm a businessman, you know, and I'm trained for commercialization. I'm trained for strategic planning and they can take that technology. So firms like LTK Ventures or Microsoft IP, they will keep some equity, but instead of investing equity traditionally, they invest through technology in the firm. So that's a phenomenon that I've been observing more recently. And uh, I would be very observant of what is happening in India, because as I mentioned, you know, uh, we all know that India is a powerhouse for all this software technology. So Felix, what I would like to know in our podcast, Sass it up, we talk to many investors. And when we talk about what's most important for them before they invest in a company, before they invest in a startup, they tell us, it's the team. We always look for the team if they have the right vision, if they have the right mindset. What I would like to know before you invest in a startup or in a company, what are some of the indicators you look for? Is it also the team or what are the, the indicators that are most important for you? Yeah, Oscar, thank you for the question. You know, typically we hear about the importance, the main importance of the entrepreneur himself or herself. Uh, having said that, it depends the kind of target we're looking for. If it's an established company, uh, 10, 20, 30 years running, the most important thing is the target company itself. Identify that it doesn't have a concentration of a customer more than 20%. Identifying, if possible, if you're operating in emerging markets, to have exposure to um, other hard currency such as the euro or the US dollar, for instance. But with that in mind, you know, this interview is mainly focused on entrepreneurs for software as a service companies. So typically it's more young established firms. And in that regard, the most important element for this kind of target company, then it's the entrepreneur himself. And in that regard, the three characteristics, Oscar, that we look for is we call it a three H. One is the humble that he or she should be able to listen to the experience of the investors and the board of directors, uh, to be humble and to learn new things all the time. The second one is a hard worker. You know, there's a lot of hours that you need to put up into your startup to make it a success. And the third H is to be a happy person, you know, someone that we can have the chemistry with, someone that inspires you, that is optimistic, not unrealistic, but optimistic and realistic at the same time. So happy is, is a third characteristic. So all of those elements, Oscar, are what we're looking for in an entrepreneur. And of course, we need someone that is able to deliver and execute, you know, typically, as we call it, you know, the technical guy if in the team should be there. Also, the strategic slash commercial guy, and certainly the guy that is able to organize a startup. So once you have a team complete, then the startup is more than likely ready to receive investment. If the team is incomplete, that is what affects more evaluation of a startup. So it's very important for the audience that is listening to this podcast to realize how important it is for you guys to put together the dream team, as I call it, you know. So thank you for the question, Oscar. Felix, I have a different question for Latam, actually. So I think you come from a very diverse background, right? You had done your PhD in HEC University of Lausanne, and you have lived in Europe, you have lived in the North American market, you are currently teaching students, meeting enterprises and corporates in the Latin market as well. So how important is language as a vehicle to enter into Latin market? I mean, for many of the companies which are operating from non-Spanish geographies, do you think language plays a very important role while trying to get into Latin market? especially Brazil and uh, Mexico? 
That is a great question. You know, when I was in Switzerland, which is a rather small market, the language business, although I was in the Swiss Roman part, the French side, it was English. You know, people are conducting business in English because most of the entrepreneurs typically are people that are migrating from other countries, you know. And in that regard, the people that have the scheme to go into the world of startups, and it's the same thing in Silicon Valley. Most people, you know, are coming from India or are coming uh, from other emerging markets. And at the dominant language is English. Having said that, to the question of, of Saswat about if you're operating in these emerging markets, once you start going towards the consumer, should the consumer be the base, then most of these countries in Brazil or, or, or as you know, in Latin America, the vast language used there is Spanish. These people typically are not fluent in English, you know. So yes, as, as what the language is very important once you start establishing the rapport with the consumers, you know, unless, of course, if you're a business to business company, then you can be providing services, you know, from New Delhi to Mexico City and the language will be conducted in, in English because these are large corporates and you have very well-educated people. But if you're going to a business-to-consumer kind of startup, then yes, language, you have to adapt to the local language, which is a challenge in, in the African continent, you know, with over 50 countries and having a vast number of languages and dialects is harder to penetrate versus a region like Latin America, for instance. Thanks, Dr. Felix. My last and final question would be, you are already a published author and you would have read a lot of novels and business books. Do you have a favorite one or a particular business book that has really inspired you in your life? You know, pinpointing to one or two books would be difficult, but still a range of books that you really like or something that has really inspired you would give a taste of your likings. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. In terms of a business book, I've been recently reading uh, one called Family Business in the Couch, I believe it's called. And basically, because recently I've been assisting family offices, you know, very wealthy individuals that uh, they need to reconcile three balance elements in the company. One is the top management. B is the board of directors of the company, but also the third one is the family council, you know. Although some of these companies are very large and they're public companies listed in, you know, even the New York Stock Exchange, at the end they are controlled and run by families, you know. So it's very interesting to identify that in most business schools, you know, we always talk about best practices of how to run businesses. At the end, it boils down to the shareholders of the company, you know, and in the vast majority in the world, companies are run by families and I'm talking large, large corporates on the billions of dollars, you know, so that's, that's something that I would recommend you, but uh, I would like to expand when you said about my taste right now, because of the whole pandemic situation. And I apologize because in this call, the audio has been going on and off because I'm currently in my weekend ranch in, in Mexico, in a remote rural area, I've been doing a lot of bird watching. So I have a book that is called the bird of Texas and I have my binoculars here and I've been identifying some of the birds and you know, just observing them. And the last one I will mention is, although it's a couple of years old, it's called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And, and to learn about the history of humankind, you know, it's fascinating because the scientific or even the industrial revolution has been here only for a couple of hundreds of years. But, you know, we initiated discussion as software as a service. I mean, the paradigm that we're living on right now because of these rough, exponential technologies enabled by software is something that is 
completely a game changer for humankind and it's, it's happening before our eyes. So I, I really look forward to see how the, the humankind and the planet will be shaped through these uh, industrial revolutions, you know, uh, particularly the one with software and artificial intelligence going on right now. So that's fascinating. Thank you, Dr. Felix. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And hopefully I will meet you sometime this year or next year when all this pandemic eases out. I really love Mexico and Igadi Business School, so I'll definitely see you sometime soon. I'm very grateful, Saswat. It's been an honor that you and Oscar invited me to participate today. And I look forward to staying in touch with you guys. Mm-hmm.